pumped with hormones, pumped with copious amounts of unsolicited advice, information, and pumping our tired titties like cows. Pumped is a podcast that explores the fourth trimester and life thereafter, sharing every warrior woman's journey from the hurdles of feeding to poop and pointed questions. Join us for this wild ride of bleeding bums, burning nipples, and leaky bladders. Hold on to your maxi pads, ladies. Evolve with us. Let's share it all. Before we begin, we are grateful to live and work on land that holds the stories of the Dreamtime. We pay our respects and honour the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge the stories, traditions and living cultures of our First Nations people. This episode is brought to you by our summer faves, Sandy Kids, who offer functional products for beach-loving and adventurous families. Helping parents maintain that relaxed vibe that can disappear so quickly at the end of the day. Hello, mamas and papas. How are we all on this rainy, miserable time in Australia, Sydney, wherever you are? It's pretty much raining everywhere unless you're in Europe. Don't talk to me. Now, Soph and I were meant to be doing this together, but she is currently actually at the hospital with Flo, who is not well um, after she got back from Perth. Flo's had high temps and yeah, not in a good way, the little sweet soul today. Um, so we don't really have a usual pump up and pump down that we, we're trying to bring back for most episodes. Um, I guess it's a lot of pump downs with this weather. Soph and I both suffering from the seasonal depression that we get uh, and juggling work and sick children. Jude was really unwell last week. Um, it's the fourth time he's had ear infections. He was off daycare. So I had like, you know, one day of the school holidays where I was like, oh, you know, Jude's at daycare. I'm going to do some marking, as I mentioned in the last episode, and just have some me time. But that was short-lived. That was short-lived because I got too cocky and peacocked around and thought, you know what, I've had three weeks where Jude's lasted three days each week at daycare. I'm the queen. Life is great. This is easy. I'm going to have a second child. Like, parenting is a breeze. Sure enough. Lo and behold, that did not last long. So basically, we're diving straight into <laughs> Naomi's Naomi's episode because, yeah, there's not much fuel in the tank here um, from the pumped team. We're both in survival mode, as most of us are in this season of life. Um, by season, I mean rain and sickness. But that's okay. We're going to be lifted up by the beautiful Naomi and we're going to release her episode in two parts because she just had so much to share and we wanted to split it because I think there's just so much and we wanted to give it space and wait and what she deserved. So this will be released over the next few weeks, part one and then part two. So share this one away. It's beautiful for new mothers. It's anyone that's like planning postpartum or anyone that just wants to feel inspired, uh, you know, learn, um, talk about, you know, the hustle culture of motherhood, this idea of surrender, um, you know, the challenges of mothers, what, what the idea of success means. I mean, she covers it all. She's so brilliant. So Without further ado, 
Let's crack in, as Soph would say. So Soph isn't obviously in this episode as much as she would have liked to have been, but as I'll pretend I'm Soph, let's crack in. Now, we are so thrilled to have Naomi on the podcast. She is a certified postpartum doula who used to work in media and has a wildly huge career as well um, and, you know, moved from Sydney down to the Illawarra with her husband and two beautiful children. She believes at the core that every woman deserves a postpartum period that is restful, rejuvenating and respectful of the massive transition into motherhood, which we in a modern motherhood world definitely don't always get. So how does she do this? Well, by taking a cue from cultures around the world. From Africa to Europe, women are encouraged to eat well, chill out and focus on bonding with their baby during the first month to six weeks. Countries around the world have similar rituals and traditions around postnatal care. And what do they have in common? Rest, good food, comforting touch, warmth and social support where the new mother feels cared for deeply. It's all about stepping back, slowing down, healing and resting in order to transition healthily and happily from expectant parent to mother. Oh, that's that's beautiful. Family and friends, mother the new mother and treat her gently like a newborn. Now, Naomi has a new online postpartum preparation and fourth trimester cooking course coming up in November. So please keep an eye out on her socials and her website for that. We'll have our link in the show notes. She also has a wonderful podcast, Tales from the Fourth Trimester, which is dedicated to the beauty and brutality of new parenthood. We will leave the links, as I said, in our show notes, but enjoy this double episode. So we're splitting it in half. So one this week and one in the upcoming weeks before our big finale. Enjoy Mamas and Papas. She's beautiful. You'll learn so much. And boy, we could just keep talking. Thus, the double episode. Bye. Well, welcome, Naomi. We are pumped to have you with us today. Do you have a funny motherhood story that you can kick us off with? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Um, Yeah, funny motherhood story. I mean, I feel like a lot of it is you either laugh or you'll cry. But um, recently, I have a six-year-old daughter who is in kindy at the moment. And she started started to learn how to read and write. This is a few months back. She... um, She's learning how to spell and we get some very interesting creative spellings. Anyway, we'd had some, I can't even remember what the argument was about, but you know, she'd obviously been told something outrageous. Like she had to like pull out her lunchbox from her school bag at the end of the day or something like hideous crime against a six-year-old. And she got, she got cranky with me. And I think my husband must've said, you know, go and do it. So she stormed off to her room and she's there for a while and she comes out and she hands us a note. And on the note, it says, I hate my, and she spelled out P-E-R-I-S, which is her version of spelling parents. But her R looked like an N. So instead it was I hate my P-E-N-I-S. <laughs> we just, like, I'm sure it was not the effect that she was intending, but we both just absolutely cracked up when we were, no, out of this note, I hate my penis. <laughs> she was just like, outraged at us Shame. even more than we did. <laughs> That's so, so yes. good. She's a funny one. Kids, hey? I hate my penis. I hate my penis. (laughs) 
That would I wouldn't be able to contain myself at all if I yeah. No, no, we, we did it. It was too good. That's so good. Oh, um, so we we know that you know you've got your own podcast that really focuses on all of the tales from the fourth trimester and you know that transition into becoming a mother of two. But we're really interested in in how your fourth trimester was, Naomi, and and how your transition uh, was to becoming a mama of two. Mm, well, my it was chalk and cheese. So first um, postpartum or fourth trimester was a total shit show with my daughter. I had no idea what to expect. It shocked me to my core. It broke me open. Um, and, you know, as I like to say, it kind of rebuilt me as well into a whole different version of myself. And that's what led me to becoming a postpartum doula and doing this kind of work and sharing the stories because um, I feel like it's not talked enough. So, like, these kind of podcasts are exactly what people need to hear. But second time around, going from one to two, was really different. Um, I obviously knew a lot more, um, both on a personal and a professional level. I'd done a lot of preparation to get ready. Um, I had, you know, planned for the, I had a four year age gap between my kids. So I'd done quite a lot of planning. I'd had to do some therapy around the birth trauma that I had from my first birth. I had started up a postpartum, um, like savings account to put money across like every kind of pay I got so that I'd have money to have massages and have support that I needed and all of those kinds of things. Um, and so coming out of it, I had a really positive birth at home and um, I also had quite a different baby. I had a baby who was a lot easier um, than my, my first child who was just very, Margot, my daughter was just very one of those temperamentally unsettled kind of colicky babies who only wanted to be on me, um, you know, did all her naps in the carrier for three months. And then I had this little boy who would do the, like, put them down, drowsy but awake, which I thought was total bullshit. And then he was doing it. I was like, what? Like, there are, there are babies that actually do. So he was a really different baby and I was a really different mum. Like, I obviously had a bit more confidence because I knew – um, I knew what I was doing a little bit more, both, you know, I'd been through it, although it had been, you know, four years. So I'd, I'd forgotten a lot of stuff. There was a lot of like, still a bit of like Googling about things, but, um, yeah, I, I just found it so different. I'd set up support for myself. So my husband, he'd originally planned to take a month off and then that ended up being three months off due to COVID. Um, we, we I had my, my child, my second boy, my second child, um, in July of 2020. So, um, you know, right in the kind of midst of lockdown, um, I had a, a birth doula. I had a postpartum doula. I had a meal train. I had two freezers full of food. I did not cook for three months. We barely even shopped. Like we'd pick up, you know, bread and milk and a bit of fruit, but people were dropping off groceries for us. I kind of really lent into, the postpartum season and I really enjoyed it to the point that my husband at sort of six weeks postpartum we were talking to the GP about you know having him having a vasectomy and I was like no hang on like wait I've loved this so much that I I just you know I'm not sure whereas with my daughter I, for that first year of her life I if you'd said to me oh what about another child I'd be like don't like I'd feel physically ill like don't talk to me about another baby I can't I cannot deal with it and that was mostly because of birth trauma but also because I found that postpartum 
so incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sort of making it sound like it was all sunshine and rainbows, which it wasn't. The biggest thing that I struggled with was the going from one to two aspect of it. Um, so I really, I was very lucky, um, although, you know, we did plan for it to have the support around me. So my daughter did have a lot of one-on-one time with my husband. Um, she had my parents who um, would take her often overnight. And so she had a lot of that kind of other people, um, you know, filling her cup. But I struggled. I wasn't, I was kind of, I thought I might be sad about the change in our relationship. What I wasn't ready for was the annoyance and the mum rage that was coming out um, with her. And that was so hard because I was feeling angry, but also that I would feel really guilty about it because I knew she was going through a lot um, and what a big, massive transition it was for her. But I just, I was very triggered by, um, you know, things like, She'd want to kiss and squeeze the baby, but you know she'd be oh, kissing, kissing. She'd be like, oh, like on this soft little fontanelle, and be like, oh my god, like you know the mama bear kind of protectiveness with the newborn mm. came out, and she was the one who was really in, like loved him, but too enthusiastically, and mm. the whole like gentle, like be gentle, like she just and she wanted him constantly she wanted to do skin to skin with him every morning which we did um and you know I did all the the things that I knew to do like make sure I have one-on-one time with her like I took her out to cafes and I you know did all of that kind of stuff um but yeah that was a really big a really big surprise to me and I really struggled with that and I think for quite a long time I felt very stretched between the newborn's needs my daughter's needs, which were more complicated than the newborns and my own needs. Um, and I often felt like, particularly like when my husband sort of went back to work and when I had the two of them, I felt like I was just spending my day sort of dashing between each one, trying to get, trying to get everyone's needs met. Um, and that was hard. And it was hard when you do things like, you know, okay, I've set you up with a snack plate and here's, you know, a movie and I just need to go and have a 20-minute lie down with the baby, like feed the baby, have a 20-minute lie down. Like, are you okay? Do you need the t- like anything you need? No, good. Please don't make any noise. And then five minutes and she'd be screaming her head off. Of, Mom, you know, I want this. It's like, you know, I really, I really found that super triggering and then really I felt so guilty that I wasn't being a better mum to her and I wasn't being more patient with her um and you know I knew on a rational level that I was tired and I was hormonal and I was going through a really big um transition myself um Mm. but those first six months I'd say it calmed down after six months but I really was struggling to find my feet with that new dynamic for the first six months yeah it's I, yeah, I can't even begin to imagine one. One, let alone two, is just oh, the yeah. I mean, there's an as you said, there's that other transition again. It's like the transition, the matrescence transition with one, and then the mm-hmm. it's yeah, re, oh, I, it's so much. So thank you for sharing that. There's yeah, I mean, Soph and I always talk about the idea of a second, and 
you're pretty excited by it, Soph, but I'm like, yeah, there's so much fear as well for me. I don't know. It's, yeah. Oh, I'm scared shitless. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> scared shitless. The, the, the thought of, um, as you said, managing not one but two little people's needs plus mm. your own plus the family and your partner Mm. It's so much. I mean, everyone makes a joke of it. Going from one to two is, you know, really hard, but two to three is easy. But then it's just like, I don't think I know how to manage the one to two. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny. I remember there was one day where it was sort of early on when I had, like, my husband had gone back to work and I took them to the local library for, like, rhyme time or something. And I had this, he must have been about three months old and... Margot, of course, you know, we get there and she's like, I need to do a poo. And so I had to take her to the, you know, the public bathroom and then Cormac starts crying for a feed. So he's in the carrier. I'm trying to get him on the boob in the carrier. And then she's going, I am, you need to wipe my bum. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. Um, and you know, it does get better. And now it's, it's it's so worth it. I mean, it was even so worth it then. Like there were so many beautiful moments that you just go, oh my God. Like he was obsessed with her from the day dot. Like she got the first smile. He still like, he just absolutely adores her. They have a, you know, they have a sibling relationship. They fight like cats and dogs and they love each other. Um, but yeah, that just that big transition for me, finding my feet as a mother of two. And I guess that happens. I mean, I know it does. It happens every time I've supported women who've had, you know, their third baby and they're a different mother again and they're finding they're finding that new role and that new identity like who am I as a mother of two and I didn't like who I was as a mother of two in those early days like now I'm like okay it feels normal like there's I mean even a few months in I was like I couldn't imagine him not being here like I couldn't imagine this not being the dynamic but to kind of get to that point I was just like what what not that not what have I done but like how am I going to get through this how am I going to show up for my children in the way that I want to show up you know that's really important to me Mm. I think it's all about you know we say it all the time on the podcast is about giving yourself grace to just find your feet and to get settled into where your situation is now that it's changed and I'm sure that's a lot of the advice that you give to you know parents and in your role as a doula Um, And then through the stories that you share on your podcast. So I guess what brought you to become a doula and then to want to create your podcast? Like where did it, obviously it it came through your experience, but Mm -hmm. was there any moment in time that you were like, this is where I really want to focus my energy? Yeah, definitely. Um, And you're right. Like that's so the advice that I'm really good at giving to other people, but aren't we great at like giving other people advice and then like taking it? I'm like, oh no, I can't give myself grace. God, no. Um, But you're so right. Um, Yeah. I, so as I mentioned, my daughter's, uh, my postpartum with my daughter was a bit of a shit show and I ended up with postnatal anxiety. I had, um, I had a quite a traumatic birth um, where I was kind of not heard and listened to in, in hospital and was kind of bullied and it was just awful. Um, and 
I came out of that experience going, wow, I feel like I've just been through battle and now what do I do with this baby? And I'd spent no time preparing for postpartum. I'd spent a lot of time preparing for the birth and I'd bought the things that I thought I'd needed for, you know, the beautiful nursery. I'd set it all up. I'd got, you know, all the lovely clothes and done all of those things, but I'd spent zero time thinking about me. And um, some of the more practical things, I think I'd put like two meals in the freezer. That was about it. So um, I sort of struggled my way through that. You know, we we muddled our way, we made it. And I remember at maybe around six or eight months postpartum, I had a couple of friends who were due to give birth and I'd heard about this um, cookbook called The First 40 Days. And I'd ordered it because I thought, great, I want to be able to, like I'd always cooked meals. So if I'd taken, if I'd had a friend who had a baby, I'd take them a meal. I was like, great, I'm curious to know like, you know, postpartum food, interesting. Food's always, like cooking's always been my love language. I've always been the person who's like, come over for dinner and I'm having dinner for 12. And, you know, that's that's just what I love to do. Um, and I got this book and I started reading it and I didn't realise it was way more than a cookbook. It was a postpartum guide and it was kind of an explainer of, you know, you're going to go through a rite of passage. You're going to go through matrescence this is what a postpartum doula is. And I remember reading that and going, hold up, what? <laughs> a postpartum doula? What, what even is that? Now we want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, Sandy Kids. We came across this new family and lifestyle brand at the One Fine Baby Expo in Sydney. Now Soph and I love their products. They're beautiful. They offer really practical, perfect um items for beach-loving and adventurous families. They've been designed by a mum of four young kids who is always looking for ways to make outings with her kids a little simpler. With the snippets of these warm, sunny weather days kind of happening now, we have been using their beach hauler beach bag. Soph in particular, as she's in Perth at the moment. It's a beautiful neutral colour and it is huge. I actually used it on the train on the way into Wollongong when my big travel bag zipper broke and it fit in double what I could put in my travel bag. Now it's made of mesh, so sand sifts through and it has wide straps, so it's really sturdy. I've literally swung Jude around in it a few times as well. Um, Yeah, shouldn't be saying that. But it's really comfortable to carry once loaded with all of the beach gear. And it also has canvas, like a, a pocket for phones and sunnies and a key clip. So car keys are easily accessible because the beach bag is huge. So when you get back to the car, it's nice and easy to find the keys. They also offer a sand brush, which is beautiful and walks so well. It's made from all sustainable materials. The coconut and jute fibers bristles gently sweep the sand off adults, kids, beach toys, surfboards, even car upholstery and carpet. Add another absolute game changer. It's their children's seat liner made of food grade silicon, which is a universal kind of for most prams and car seats. It's perfect for getting sandy, damp or sticky kids home from the beach or pool and also amazing to protect their seats from foodie mess, toilet training accidents. It's easy to use, clean, and you can store it away. It's crash tested to meet all the Australian standards for using car seats. Check them out at www.sandykids.com or Instagram at sandy with an E S A N D E underscore kids. They are the best. Now back to today's episode. And that book really opened my eyes to A, what we're lacking in our culture. 
and how I felt ripped off. I was like, oh my God. So you're telling me that all these other cultures have special food that they give new mothers. It's really functional. And you're telling me that there are people whose job it is to kind of nurture a new mother. And you're telling me that there are people who get what a major transition this is and what a like psycho-spiritual event this is, not just a, you know, you've pushed a body out of a body. Like it's, it blew my mind a bit to have this new perspective because I'd never really heard about postpartum talked about in that way. And I'd already, my background's in journalism. I'd spent about 10 years or so working in women's magazines mostly. I worked for um, Marie Claire, Women's Health, Cosmo. Um, I was just about to go back into an, a new job at Marie Claire as their features editor. But I kind of had you know, I, I hear this happens quite a lot. You know, I'd felt like maybe this isn't the right thing for me anymore. Um, a, magazines are going down the absolute toilet um, and you know, everyone was worried about their job. But also I was just like, I just want to do something that feels like I'm helping. Um, and when I read about, you know, what can a postpartum do with you? I was like, oh, my God, no one that I know is doing this. And I remembered Googling there was no postpartum doulas in Sydney, tons of birth doulas who do, you know, a couple of postnatal visits, but no one dedicated to that postpartum space. So I really wanted to create what I needed. So I set myself up as a postpartum doula. I did it um, training. I set up a postpartum food delivery service. So I spent, I spent a good year or more actually um, formulating this business like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna make these types of food that are gonna tick these kind of really important boxes for what you need in postpartum um and I'm gonna do home visits and this is and I'm gonna learn how to massage and I'm gonna you know do all the things that I feel like people really need and I did all my training and I read lots of books and yeah then I left my um my media job and set up shop with the kind of hope that it would work and going, well, if it only is six months, then it's only six months and I'll go back to writing. And as part of that setting up the business, um, you know, one of the big things that I really think at that point, when I had my baby in 2016, there was no, there were no podcasts talking about postpartum at that point, or at least maybe there, maybe there were like a couple that are American, like there was no Australian podcast kind of really talking about that time and space. Um, I'd found a lot of um, comfort from uh, listening to like birth stories, but nothing, nothing about postpartum. And I really feel like one of the big problems that we have is that, um, you know, we're not, people don't know. There's just no, not enough awareness around postpartum. There's a lot of awareness around birth and what you need to do for birth and all of those things. But, you know, I like to say, just thinking about the birth and not thinking about postpartum is almost like just thinking about the wedding and not thinking about the marriage. Totally. You know, like birth, yeah, like birth is um, hopefully a 24-hour event, if that, um, whereas postpartum is forever, you know. We're talking about, you know, the acute postpartum of six weeks, the kind of full-on postpartum of 12 weeks, the fourth trimester, the first two years, your body is still recovering. You know, your body does not come back to its its normal state for three years postpartum, um, wow. you know, and you're postpartum forever. You know, we see women who are, the majority of women who are put in nursing homes are put in there for incontinence. And a lot of that comes from unresolved birth injuries because they haven't had the postpartum care that they've needed. They haven't been able to rest. 
Um, you know, so I just, I just felt like we need to be talking about this. Like we, I mm. want people, I wish the things that I wish I'd known, I want other people to know. And because I'm, my background's in journalism, I love to talk. Clearly you can hear that I love to talk and I love interviewing people. Like I love having those conversations. That was my favorite part of journalism. So I was like, I just want to get, I just want to get, um, I just want to get people on to talk about like what, what was their experience of postpartum, positive, negative, highs, lows all of the different experiences that you can have. Did you have to use, I mean, obviously you're so well connected too with the, in your media world, like did you kind of hone in on those contacts to help with your guests as well to kind of, or did you like, how did you like get it all going? Did you just, I'm so interested because obviously Soph and I, yeah, a year ago, same boat, but no contacts, literally. You know, I have a, a, yeah. a background in acting and Soph works for Canva, so she's marketing, but, you know, that's a, they're very different kind of niches, clientele. So, yeah, how, how did that go for you, kind of? Well, I first I started with just interviewing friends because yeah. I wanted to kind of, you know, I, I knew people who were having babies and I wanted to kind of go there um, and kind of, yes, I mean, I started with my own kind of story and if you go back like this, a hundred and hundred plus episodes now, but like right back at the beginning, you'll see it's like started with mine. Then you see, oh, someone from my mother's group, one of my old <laughs> friends from high school, you know, you see that yeah. way. Um, and honestly, I didn't use, I probably didn't use my media contacts as much as I should have. Mm. <laughs> but the big one for me was I interviewed um, Megan Gale for mm. Stella, which was my past, my, my, my most recent media job, um, I'd interviewed her about for something and we gotten along well and I just sent her contact, like her agent or whoever it was, PR, um, an email and I said, look, would she consider coming on? And she had at that point, she was, um, she was launching a like baby skincare kids kind of range and I was like of course I'm happy to you know talk about like mention it and you know she'd like to come on and it was great it got me on the front page so someone that I um, knew from working I worked at Stella which is the Sunday Telegraph someone that I had known from the Sunday Telegraph I'd gone on a press trip with from you know years ago she'd followed me she she'd listened to the podcast and in that Megan had talked about how she was put under pressure to like lose the baby weight um, in a contract. And so she picked up on that and that became front page news on the Daily Telegraph. And so then, you know, it was obviously mentioned. Um, And I saw like that, that podcast got a huge amount of, I mean, I still think it's probably one of my top three Mm. episodes. Um, That was really big. And then, um, probably the other big one was Lee Campbell, um, who is of Mamma Mia yeah. fame. She's host you beauty. Um, I worked with her at Cosmo back in 2011 or something. And, um, you know, we'd obviously like kept in touch and I just asked her if she'd come on the podcast and she was, she was really happy to. And she generously shared about, um, you know, me, I'd, I'd taken her food and stuff as well. And, 
she had talked about, you know, what I was doing and um, I remember getting a lot of, I still, you know, she's, she's up there in terms of the listens as well. But, you know, thinking back, I'm like, oh, I really should have. <laughs> I really should have used my media contacts more than I did in hindsight. Hindsight is a bitch, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. a little bitch. <laughs> oh, but that's amazing. That's, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I love that. I love that there's so many little opportunities and like your worlds interconnect in, in some ways. So that's really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. I think it's just about asking as well. Like being yeah. comfortable and asking. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I get a bit like, Oh, I don't want to like bother you, but would you, you know, would you, and people often want to, like they want to share Tell. their stories and they want to help other women through their experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's if you don't ask, you don't get sometimes. So um, exactly. Speaking of speaking of getting, uh, we have a I have a quote from your beautiful website. It says, um, "The nourishment you need, the nurturing you deserve, and the support that will see you thrive." I'm really interested. Do you have a story um, of one of your mamas that you're willing to share that you've seen perhaps really struggle and then kind of shift from from that struggle to thrive? Is it if there's a mum that won't mind you sharing? Obviously, but. <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking about this and there's probably mm. two that come to mind just because I caught up with one of them while I was in Melbourne last week. So um, this is someone that I had known previously. We, we travelled together. I met her when we, were, we went and did like a charity trip to Nepal years ago and um, she had her first baby and she's shared about this on my podcast so I know she's, she'd be happy for me to talk about Mm-hmm. Um, she actually ended up with really bad, like postnatal psychosis. Um, mm-hmm. She was imagining throwing her baby out the window, dropping him downstairs, um, and got the help that she needed. But then fell pregnant with her second child. Now I didn't know any of this was going on when it was happening. In fact, <laughs> she came to Sydney and we caught up for a coffee, and I hadn't seen her for years. And she was saying how she got up for dinner with. Out with the baby and everything like she's telling me about all these things I remember going god she's managing so well like I was mm-hmm. kind of playing the comparison game of going oh god I didn't do that god like she's wow you know being really impressed I had no idea that this stuff was going on for her and she was having a really really awful time anyway so she was pregnant with her second baby and she reached out to me obviously she was in Melbourne so um she um, she couldn't, you know, I couldn't support her in person, but she wanted to, she was insistent on paying me for a postpartum planning session. I was like, no, like, you're not paying me. She's like, I really want to do this. And we, I offer one-off planning sessions mm-hmm. where we sit down for an hour and a half and we kind of nut out, where are you right now? What's your situation? What's your setup? What support do you have? How can we harness what you've got around you? What gaps do you have that need filling? Um, what can we do to get a game plan in place for postpartum? Um, and so I did that with her and it was it was literally only an hour and a half and I sent her a bunch of resources and recipes and, you know, she had some homework to do and she, just to get that solid kind of strategy in place and she did it like she was obviously motivated to kind of act really really set herself up and she said to me when I saw her in Melbourne she'd already said to me she's like I really just wanted to say in person how much that helped me like I just had such a different experience I really enjoyed it 
I just can't thank you enough. And I don't like, I don't want to share that as like, oh, I'm amazing. But like, that to me is why I'm doing this. I'm like, that is, that right there is why I do this work because I know what a difference that it can make. Um, And for her, like, it was a serious difference. Like she, you know, if you're left unsupported and uneducated in terms of what to expect and what's coming your way, like I'm not saying everyone would end up having, you know, um, mental health issues, but, you know, mm. it's really, it can be really serious. Like we know one in five women experience postnatal mood disorders after they have a baby. So, yeah, that was um, that was for me a really beautiful moment to see, okay, like this is really been amazing then there was another mum who I just recently um supported locally and because she was local to me she came out of hospital and she was struggling with breastfeeding and I was just able to go over and bring over um you know the supplies she kind of needed but also just sit with her help her with positioning you know look at the latch um and she was like she told me the other day, she's like, I was really ready just to stop breastfeeding mm. um, and throw in the towel, which is totally fine. Like I support everyone's decisions in how they feed their baby. But for her, it was really important for her to, to breastfeed. And this is her third child and she was in no, the first two had gone quite smoothly. He was just, it just went differently because all babies are different. And she was totally taken aback. Mm. Um, but she was like, you know, you being able to come over and be there and kind of holds, like she was crying at the time, you know, just to be there and support her and reassure her and offer that kind of practical help. Um, mm. it was like that, that saved my breastfeeding journey. So yeah, that was, that was really, you know, great to hear too. That's amazing. How beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes me feel emotional. I just think it's just so rewarding having, like, I just think what you're doing is, is incredible. And if I had you as my planner, as you were talking about that, I was like, yes, my next baby, I know who to call. <laughs> I know who to call to plan. Because obviously Soph and I had our bubs during lockdown, so we were in complete isolation. Um, oh. Yeah. So, yeah. so we, hard. Yeah. So hard. So, yeah, you just kind of, and we had we actually hadn't, we were interviewed for a magazine that's coming out soon and what that was one of the questions wasn't it so that she was like what did you miss about and we were like we both actually were really honest and we we're like we were both we're so jealous of anyone that kind of gets that experience of having yeah. you know so if everything yeah I know who to call I know who to call <laughs> for baby number two yeah I'm here for you <laughs> yes yep so nice Thanks so much for listening to this episode. We hope that you gained something from it, whether it was a lull or you now feel less alone in the wild ride that is motherhood and parenting. Be sure to give us a like on Facebook, subscribe with us on Spotify or review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at www.pumpedpotty.com and get your mum, mates and dads pumped. Bye.